we stop for a moment and begin to think about what is happening in our world, we quickly understand that we have an epidemic of emptiness. And emptiness is ubiquitous. It's anywhere and everywhere. And emptiness does not discriminate. It participates in people of all ages and in all backgrounds. And when we find ourselves empty in our hearts, we begin to do not a Google search, but we begin to do a heart search. We try to find out what is it that I can do so that I have this sense of peace and fulfillment in my life. And often we think if I had more money, that would be better. If I had success, or maybe I was a celebrity or people knew who I was, then maybe it would resolve this emptiness. We were shocked this summer when we learned some of the things that were happening to people, Anthony Bourdain, the celebrated chef that we have all watched on TV, abruptly took his life. And then Kate Spade, this incredible designer, fashion designer, abruptly hung herself. And then a month later, Demi Lovato, successful recording artist and actress, almost lost her, her life on heroin. And all of these things happen when we are empty in our hearts. Alcohol, drug addiction, it's estimated that one million will die from the opioids by 2020. And then there are the sexual tryst, marital affairs, 65% of husbands will get involved, and women too. And then emptiness will drive people to sexual addictions, and these things are, become dangerous to all of us. Then we know that the Bible says that there is a devil that roams around and he is looking for people to devour, not hit, not knock down, not affect, but he roams in your life, in my life, trying to devour us and to take us out. We, the family of God, the followers of Christ have been placed in this 
world that we are to counter what the enemy is trying to do and then to be a light and a witness so that every person can find true purpose and be able to overcome this emptiness by experiencing a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because he is the only one that can help us save ourselves from ourselves. So our mission on the earth is not just to go to heaven. Our mission is not just to be blessed and to be happy. Our calling is a calling of influence. It is a calling where Jesus says that you are lights in the dark world. He says, I have set you up as a city on a hill. We don't understand what that means in Florida, but we are set on a hill or a high sand deal. We are put up so that others can see that Jesus is the answer to all the emptiness. Jesus gave our, us the personal commissioning when he said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, I'd like us to, like, I love to read scripture out loud because it, it just is good. So I want us to read this aloud, smile on our face. Let's hit it. Verse 15, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Verse 16, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So we are called, and our mission is to go, this action verb for the teachers, and it means that rather than staying with the huddle of Believers, because we feel more comfortable with believers and meet with believers and then meet with the Christians and meet with the Christians, he says, wait a minute, I want you guys to go and I want you not to separate yourself from the world, separate yourself to Christ, but go in where there are dark places. Go in where people need to have Jesus in their hearts. And he says here that we are to go, and uses the word preach, but you might think you're called to do this, but we're called to proclaim or talk to people about Jesus. That no one is beyond the grasp of the Savior. And that he is calling every one of us to proclaim the good news. And what we have in our proclamation is people are not our project. They are more than an assignment. We are exposing them not to radiation. We are exposing them not to religion. We are exposing them not to legalism. But we're exposing them to the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it even allows the sender to be able to smile, be happy, and begin to be a friend of those that are in our world that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 10, in Romans chapter 10, everybody still here? Okay, you that are watching, get your Bible out. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. Everyone, say that, everyone, everyone. who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No, just the word everyone. <laughs> verse 14, it's an aggressive group, Bob. How then can they call? How can they call on the one they have not believed in? Question mark. How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Question mark. And how, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And I like this. This is cool. He says, how beautiful are the feet. Look at your feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So, it says, first of all, everyone can call on the name of the Lord. However, the logical progression is, how can they call if they don't believe? And how can they believe unless they hear? That's a Jesus alert. <laughs> I'm right in the script perfectly. How can they believe if they don't hear? You're not going to forget that part of this message. How can they believe unless they hear? How can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless they have the message coming at them? And how can they have the message unless somebody's sent? And what he is saying is, nice. Now, that's enough of that. How can nice believers have a... Thank, thank you, Lord. What is that? That's a Jesus alert. <laughs> That's the only thing you'll remember this morning. <laughs> so we are called, and he has sent us, and he sent us to those who need Jesus. And they are desperate, and they are everywhere, and what we are exposing them to is the love that we have received. I like what Chris Overstreet says in one of his writings. God's love changes the world inside of you, which in turn changes the world around us. So that when I have personally come in contact and experienced the love of God, and there is a love that is now dwelling inside of me, not religion, not 
legalism, not mean-spirited, not judgmentalism, but the love of God has come into us. And when the love of God has come into us and we realize who we are, that we are children of God, we have been transformed by the gospel, and we wake up in the morning and we know who we are, we know whose we are, and now the love begins to come out of us in a supernatural way because love is not natural, it is supernatural, and it is of God. And when we expose them, not to radiation, but we expose them, not to religion, and we're not exposing them just to a church, we're exposing them to Jesus. So... We are sent. A few days ago, Judy was in her doctor's office for a regular checkup. Her doctor is a woman. And as she came in on that morning, and the doctor looked at her, he said, oh, she said, oh, I love that shirt. And of course, she's wearing her uh, gator shirt, I mean, her woven shirt, <laughs> and uh, so the woven shirt is nice and, and wonderful, and so she, she says, what is that? And she talked about the movement of, of girls and women and daughters of the Lord kind of rising up here. And then she asked her, she said, can I tell you what that really means? She said, yes, and she said, it, it means that we are... Uh, woven together in a tapestry of love, and it's unto to God. And when she said that, immediately the doctor said, I'm a Muslim. But something happened in the atmosphere as, as Judy was, in fact, sharing the love of God. She turned to her and did something that doctors don't normally do, she started to share her heart. She started to share what was happening in her life. And then Judy said, can, can I pray with you? She said, yes. And she said, I pray in the name of Jesus. She said, that's fine. Because that's the name. And she prayed for her and closed her prayer in the name of Jesus. And then the doctor got up and gave her a big hug. And what she probably didn't really understand fully, that the love of God had come into the doctor's office. And then she said, Judy, I'd like to have one of the, uh, or Judy said, would you like to have one of those? She said, yes, I'd like to have two. So she's going to be woven soon. <laughs> how beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who are sent that are going because feet represent movement 
and steps from yourself so that you are now moving and going into the mission that God has given to us. And why we do not live in this emptiness is the fact not only has Christ changed our life inside, that's the beginning but not the end. Now we are a part of establishing the kingdom of heaven on the earth. We are part of something bigger than our house, bigger than ourselves, bigger than anything we'll ever be a part of. And now as we step and we move, we now are going to those who are lost, those who are broken, those who are hurting, and we offer them what we have. And we have the good news to change lives. Wherever we go, we simply say something that will affect them. I was doing the grocery list last night at the grocery store. My wife was texting me, get this, get that. And after I checked out, and the lady was there, and I said, so I walked out, I said, don't forget, Jesus loves you. She looked at me, and she said, I'm a Buddhist. And I said, Jesus still loves you. <laughs> and I finished swimming about 5 o'clock yesterday, and I was going out, and the lifeguard was there, and I said to her, don't forget, Jesus loves you. And there's something powerful in those words because it needs to be spoken and it needs to be said because the greatest need that we have in our lives, aside from coming to Christ, is that we need to feel and experience this love that only Jesus offers. And simply saying, Jesus, Jesus loves you can change a person's life and just does something to them and Christ begins to do something because we're called to sow seeds. And sowing a seed is as important as reaping the harvest. And many of the people that will walk the aisles of this church have been seeded by many people in prayer, and we have the opportunity to see the harvest, but the plant, the seeds have been planted many years in some case, and that seed can make a difference in their lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, as you listen to the Jesus alert in the background. <laughs> Just remember, they can't believe unless they hear, and they can't hear unless there is the word preached, and the word can't be preached unless someone is sent. Someone is sent to that person. Now, when we think of being a part of this spiritual revolution, we realize that all of us are easily intimidated 
when we get into this arena. And the enemy tries to make us to be silent because it's uncomfortable. Sharing Christ is often uncomfortable, but God is comfortable with it. And that is why we have to realize, first of all, that we are sent. In John chapter 20, after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared and he came into a small group the disciples were having, and he said to them, peace be with you. Then the Bible says he showed his hands and he showed where the spear had been. That's amazing. The next statement, remember, if you're coming back from heaven and you got a message for this small group, what would you say? Like, be cool, proud of you guys, keep preaching. He said this, as the Father sent me to the earth, so I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. However, before Jesus left the earth, he knew we all would be diffident, shy, reticent to really be aggressive. And so he said, you're going to need some power to make you courageous that you're not shy and you're not intimidated by anyone at any time, irrespective of their name, what they have done, or what they own. And he said the only way that that's going to happen is you have to have more than you have now. And he said to them, I want you to go to a, a certain place, and I want you to hang out there, and I want you to remain there because you need power. I told you you need to go, but I want you to know that you need the power. And what he was saying is you need the power, and the power is not going to come from a generator. The power is going to come from the Holy Spirit. And he said that when you get the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a courage, and something is going to happen. And then Jesus was recorded as saying these exact words that we have in our Bible and Jesus said to them, hours before he went back, he said, before he was crucified, he said, he said, listen, he said, I want you all, turn off your phones, turn off your computers, turn the television off, don't be distracted. I'm telling you that you, you guys, you guys in this room, you, my guys, are going to receive power. And you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And guys, when you have the Holy Spirit coming upon you, what is going to happen to you? You're going to get out of there, and you're going to leave that holy huddle, and you're going to go out, and you're going to be witnesses. You're going to begin to talk about who I am and what I have done. But you're not going out until you get this power and this anointing. And then when you get hit with this kind of a power known as the baptism of the Spirit, when you get that, you're going to go and tell people about me everywhere. Say that word, everywhere. everywhere. 
In other words, you're not staying over in the corner. You're not staying on the sidelines. You're not going to stay in your house. You're not going to be for 100 years in your small group and all the believers are meeting again and they're eating ice cream and they're going to meet again. And they're going to eat again and the Christians are meeting again and the Christians are meeting again. And we got a thousand groups everywhere and the Christians are meeting. Small groups are for a city. They are house fires of life and love. And I'm believing half of everyone's small group will be people that need to see the light of Jesus. And he said, you'll go, you'll tell them about me everywhere. And you're going to begin right here. You're going to begin with your neighbors, your families. Notice the progression and don't lose that. Because some people go way away and they don't talk about anybody right here. No, don't, don't start over there. You start right here. Thank you. So you start in Jerusalem and spread out a little farther to Judea. And then you get into Samaria. And then you go to the world. In this series, in, this, in, this, in our house, this is our culture. This is our culture that we are a, a church that is sent. And we are a church that's bringing. And we are a church where every person has a heart for people that don't know Jesus. And that when we are a witness, we begin to remember our, our story. Everyone has a, a Jesus story. And you have to tell your story again and again because when you tell your story, it becomes more powerful because you remember what you have not even thought about above where you were. You don't forget where you were. And you begin to do this story where you begin to write down, put in your phone or somewhere, you say, listen, this is my life before BJ, before Jesus, and this is what I was doing. And most of us think, well, it's drug. Hey, listen, our biggest drug is not heroin. It's me, 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 whoa, me, me. That's the drug, okay? So we all were under the drug of me, me, me. And we remember where we were, and then we remember the moment, the hour, the time where Jesus forgave us of our sins and changed our lives. And we also remember the people that were in the matrix of us coming to Christ, and then we remember who we are now and what Christ has done. And when we remember what we were, and we remember what Jesus, it begins to give us a little impetus to talk and witness about how Jesus is. You don't have to know all the books in the Bible, and the devil will tell you you don't know enough. Paul preached right after he came to Christ. He wasn't in seminary, but he had experienced Jesus. And if you experience Jesus, you're ready to go. You may not know where all the passages are, but I'll tell you, you know Jesus. And when you begin to tell people about Jesus, everything is going to change. This chair that is on the stage today 
is a chair to make us think about Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, where the Bible says that those who are victorious in life, that those individuals will, he says, I'll give, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. And I wonder if maybe the greatest accomplishment we could ever have in life is not leaving an estate. But maybe if we all focused, all focused not on a lot of people, not on 50 people or 1,000 first, but we think about one person. And that when we're sitting with him in heaven at his right hand, uh, with uh, Jesus, that we have somebody in a chair next to us. Because eternity is real. And every single person, if Christ does not return, we will end this life, but never end living. Because the Bible talks about eternity, and that's the place of, that's timeless. There's no time. You and I look at our watches, and it's 12.09 right now. And probably all during the day, what's the time? My next appointment, what's the time here? When did church begin? What, what's the time? But eternity is not going to happen. It's not like, well, we're, there's going to be eternity. No, there's eternity right now. And we're made in the image of God, and he has put eternity in our hearts with a sense of life forever, everlasting. And so just the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, that we are like grass. I mean, like real grass. We are like grass that is withering. We're like the flower that is fading. And when we end this life, there's a life hereafter. And the Bible talks about a real place called heaven. Because this is not our home, we are just passing through, and we want to take as many people with us to where we're going, and we want them to sit in this chair and know Jesus, and we can really celebrate together. Eternity is timeless. With God, one day is like a thousand years with us. I know it's hard on a, a, a Sunday meeting like this to actually have the insight of life is temporal, and what we do can be eternal and not temporal. There was a pastor who would come to my dad's church. My sister Fran knew him. Kelchner was his name. He had a large chart, and I was eight, nine, ten years old. He came every year. I don't remember everything he said, but as a little boy, I remembered this one line. 
He would say it a hundred times. We need to live in light of eternity. John Bevere puts it like this. We need to be driven by eternity. And he has a great plan for every one of us, and he wants us to live and make a difference with our one and only life and to see great things happen. He wants us to populate heaven. I was sitting a few months ago, Judy was at the hotel, and I was in Seoul, Korea, and I was riding on this bus, and I was sitting on this side, and there's a man sitting right across the aisle from me. I had heard about him for years. His name is Pastor Choco Hey DeSus. And as we were talking across the aisle, we were talking about a revolution of literally taking back America for Christ. And it seemed like we were there for a minute, but it was a long time. He pastors a church in Chicago of 15,000 people. It's not a normal church, though. He came out of the inner city, and he decided to plant a church right in the inner city. It's a massive, the largest in the assemblies of God. And as we talked, he told me, he said, you know what? I live in the inner city. And we talked about God changing America and the cities of America. I got back home, and I'm praying, uh, well, what, who shall, you know, should, should he come in? And I thought, man, this guy's travel. He's the exec, executive presbyter. However, I felt like the Lord said, he needs to come to this church and preach. So I text him. I said, hey, can you come and give me a date? And within a couple minutes, he said, November 4th. Then I fell off the chair. <laughs> and I thought, what would happen? Because he's got a gift of evangelism. He actually believes that Christians should share their faith. And I thought, what would happen if we made that Friends Day and everybody brought a friend, just one, and we see something happen here that's never happened before where you can't get in this place because we're interested in this chair, but we'll get them in the chair here and see a movement because God has called us to be a part of something that is beyond anything we can imagine. It is beyond. We are called as a family together to see the greatest awakening and what happened, in fact, this week. I got a call from a family member of our church, been here a long time, never calls me, and says, can I talk with you? And then she said, well, I woke up this morning, and the words were coming at to me, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna. And she said, I went in, and I sat down, and I, I was like trembling, like, what is this? And the Lord gave her the word, something is brewing in the church. Something is brewing in the church. Hear it roar. The rain is coming. And then she said, Lord, what, what is this about? She said, I'm like trembling over this. And then she says, a spiritual awakening of the Holy Spirit is coming. There's going to be joy unthinkable. There's going to be joy uncontainable. There's going to be joy unimaginable. The time is here. Get ready for the explosion. Begin to praise me. Begin to thank me. For I am the Lord of hosts. 
You will see it. It's going to happen. And then she said, you are to remain in a state of expectancy. I thought, God, take away the boredom. Take away the routine. Take away, like, well, we've done this before. No, we haven't done what we're going to do coming up. We're going to have services like we've never had before. I'll tell you one thing. When the church rises up and they begin to know who they are and they take Mark 16 seriously and they decide that I'm going to go into my world and I'm not going to allow the devil and demons to stop me. I'm not going to allow my past to stop me. I'm not going to let what happened yesterday when I messed up stop me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see things happen that have never happened before and I'm going to rise up. Yes, I may look like I'm normal. I may look like a normal person and I am a normal person because if you read through the Bible, God uses normal people, ordinary people and does extraordinary things. I don't want to get up here. Keep the lights on a second here. I don't, I don't want to get up here and just talk about these things. I want to I wanna do this thing. I want to have the voice of calling people in. Uh, last year, Marquise uh, was in the gym. I'm playing my music. You know the story. And he came here. He came, gave his life to Christ. And then he has a wonderful fiance, Tamika. And I'm at the gym yesterday. And he said, I can't wait till tomorrow. At 11 o'clock, I'll be on the front row. And... I said, oh, man, I better get excited here. <laughs> stand up here, both of you. Tamika, stand up. No, 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 no. Don't think about a 1,000. Don't think about a 100. Don't think about a busload. We're not talking about busloads. We're talking about one. Say it with me, one, one. Can you imagine if every person next week had one? By the way, we're not trying to get Christians in here, okay? We don't, we're not into transfers. If they come, we love them. That's not our mission. We're not trying to empty other churches. That's not who we are. We want people who are far from God. We want people that everyone has given up on. We want people who have given up on themselves. That's who we want. Hallelujah. So can you imagine? Can you imagine a move of the God's Spirit where the Spirit of God comes upon us? Remember, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about the prayer language as an end in itself. He was saying that is preparatory. It is getting you ready. It's not the end assignment. He didn't baptize us so we could all pray in the tongues and end it right there. He said, you pray in the Spirit, but when you come out of the closet, you go out and you be a witness and you shake the city. You shake the city. And I'm asking the Lord to shake us up today, stir us up today, and let us have a culture in this church that it is a culture that we go. And when we go, we make disciples. We're not making disciples of Church in the Sun. We're not making church, uh, disciples of your name. We're not making disciples of Alex. We're not making disciples of Jeff Taylor. We're not making disciples of Dave. We're making disciples of Jesus. And we're lifting up the name of Jesus. So help me, so help me with that, with that sound we had today when it went off, that Jesus alert. Let us be alerted to hear what he is saying. Let us hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And let's rise up. And let's rise up. And let's rise up. And let's say, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to rise up. Hallelujah. And I'm believing. I'm believing every college student and every young adult are going to be a part of a service on a Sunday. I'm believing that every young person in the mix is going to be a, per, a, per, a part of our services. And not only a part of our services, every single young person, every person, adult, who they are, we are bringing our friends and we are exposing them to the power of Jesus Christ. Shake this church up. Stir it up. And I pray, God, that we will see on November 4th the greatest harvest we've ever seen in this church as Pastor Choco comes to this place. I declare it in the name of Jesus. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Come on, sing it.
and every one of our services, we believe the greatest miracle that will ever happen on the universe is the fact when one person recognizes their need of Jesus. And they begin to understand that Christ died on the cross so that our sins could be pardoned and we could be forgiven and all of our condemnation and guilt and shame that are intertwined in our whole being could be gone. There's nothing worse in life than live with a sense of guilt and shame. Miraculously, Jesus takes that shame away because he believes that every person is valuable. If you were not valuable, if I were not valuable, he would not have gone to the cross. The price someone pays is always related to value. And he paid the highest price so that those who have given up on themselves and have made egregious bad decisions can be cleansed and made whole. I like it. He says, everyone calls on the name of the Lord will have their sins be forgiven. They will be saved from themselves and saved for Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to give people in this whole room an opportunity to say yes to Christ. This song is a favor of mine because it says, thank you, Jesus, and it talks about coming to Christ. I remember my own self, the time I came on a Sunday night in my dad's church. It's around 9 o'clock. I was on that side of the altar. I've always been just a very independent person. I wanted to live my life. I remember that night changed my life. And I surrendered my life to Christ. And maybe you're here in the room and you kind of know about Jesus, real familiar and you're around it. But if your life hasn't been changed, maybe you just know about it. This is not about knowing about Jesus. This is a personal Jesus encounter where you say, Jesus, take me. And I believe there are a number of people just you, you're out in the field far away and Christ says, you come. I always love to see people raise a hand because I know when that hand goes up that the devil has lost one of his disciples. When you, raise, when you raise your hand, maybe you need to think, what has he done for me? I'll tell you one thing, he's promised a lot. He has delivered nothing. You need to leave his family. And you need to get in the family of God because he's for you and not against you. 
and he won't turn on you no matter what happens. I want you to get ready here now to raise your hand. And you do it with faith. You don't have to, you just put it up and say, I'm getting out. I'm getting Jesus. And I'm believing all over this place. Holy Spirit, move mightily right now. Holy Spirit, touch hearts. Jesus, touch, touch hearts right now. When I count to three, I want you to just to throw your hand up and say, I'm in. One, two, three, put it up. All over the building. Put it up, put it up, put it up. Yes, yes, put it up. Now, all of you, all of you that raised your hand, slip out in the aisle. Come down here. I'm going to give you a big hug. Come down here right now. Judy, come over here. Pastor Jonathan, get, get out of your chair. Come. Come right down. We're going to have a short prayer. Balcony, come right down the side. Thank you, Jesus. Come, come. Come right now. Get out of your chair. In the balcony, come down. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. Come, come. Thank you, Jesus. for just a second. This is the surgeon working. Just a moment. I feel impressed for us just to turn to someone a little awkward. Ask them if they would like to find the Lord today. And if they say yes, you walk down the aisle with them. And let's see if Satan can't lose a, a few more of his people. So just turn to someone, turn, turn to someone, ask them if they need Jesus. Maybe your wife. Come down the aisle. Come down the aisle with them right now. Come down the aisle right now. Walk down the aisle. Yes, right there. See that? Right there. Yeah. Walk down the aisle. Come right now, where you are. 
coming still coming that's it that's it you come 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 you come that have come, look up just a moment. Maybe some of you never had a spiritual father. I want to speak for your dad, who maybe never did that. Here's what I want to say. I'm very proud of you. This is the best decision you've ever made. can't imagine how the Lord is smiling on you. It's a lot of courage to raise your hand and say, I'm pulling out. And you that are watching online, you can pray this prayer. And we're going to pray this prayer. And we have friends in the back for five minutes who are just going to share with you because our church is all about forgiveness and love. And we love people. We're not a corporation. We're not an institution. We are an organic family of God. So we're going to pray this prayer. You pray it. Pastor Dave is here. He's been baptizing all day. And you're going to slip to the side. And so uh, your next step will be water baptism. But I want everyone to pray this prayer with our friends. And let's, I like to say this prayer really loud, loudly. So let's say it. Jesus, Jesus, I put my faith in you you. that you took my sin on the cross. cross. I confess and believe believe. that God raised Jesus from the dead. dead. And he is alive. alive. I turn from my sin. I I repent of my sin. I I abandon my life to follow Jesus. I make him Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace and the gift of righteousness and eternal life. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, you are in the family. Go, go together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord.